You Win Some, You Lose Some, is a short story based on a small-town novel that's been tugging at author Kira Jacobs for some time now. She tried to ignore the characters, but since they wouldn't leave her alone, she decided to give them a test run on Mysteries to Die For. Since Kira had quite a bit of fun exploring their world, the young sisters may eventually get to star in their own full-length novel. Kira has written a variety of genres, including romantic suspense, sweet romance, paranormal, and women's fiction, each full of heart and humor. Be sure to check out her backlist at kirajacobsbooks.com. Welcome to Mysteries to Die For. I am T.G. Wolf, and I'm here with Jack, my piano player and producer. This is a podcast where we combine storytelling with original music to put you at the heart of a mystery. Some episodes are original stories. Others will be classics that help shape the mystery genre we know today. All are structured to challenge you to beat the detective to the solution. These are arrangements, which means instead of word-for-word readings, you get a performance that's meant to be heard. Jack and I perform these live, front to back, no breaks, no fakes, no retakes, unless a dog decides to go mental. Support our show by subscribing, telling a mystery lover about us, and giving us a five-star review. And mystery readers, check out our print and eBooks. The companion books for this season and last season are available at all online retailers. Search for A Word Before Dying and Move It or Lose It today. This is season five, Move It or Lose It. This season contains original stories paying homage to the vehicles that propel mysteries forward. A train was the setting for Agatha Christie's famed Murder on the Orient Express. A riverboat then took center stage on Death on the Nile. Cars have been prominently featured in American crime stories with the glory of the getaway vehicle. Then there are the heists, from carriages to trains to armored trucks. For episode 11, a Winnebago is the featured vehicle. This is You Win Some, You Lose Some by Kira Jacobs. And today we have a special treat because Kira is joining us in the studio. So after our story, when we get to what Jack and I lovingly call our witty banner, it's really going to be roast the author time. But we have a couple minutes to go before we get to that point. The surprise visit. It wasn't that Charlene Young Stewart didn't have a conscience. In fact, at times she still struggled with the decision she and her younger sister Cynthia made to continue their crazy late aunt's legacy, especially since that legacy included telling fortunes out of the back of an aging, hand-me-down Winnebago. But the whole psychic act had brought them together after many years apart, and for Charlie, that outweighed her trepidations. Besides, if they could insert a little happiness into the lives of those around them, then what harm could a few construed fortunes really do? 
I still think we might have gone a little overboard with Destiny Myers yesterday, she said to Sin as they stepped outside after lunch that second Sunday in October. They were at their aunt's old farmhouse, which they were still sorting through after the passing of Ruthie and May earlier that spring, and then the unanticipated multi-state road trip that had followed. The sprawling property just outside Hamilton Shores, Indiana, was also where they continued to store the Winnebago, which, unbeknownst to them prior to the reading of the will, was the mobile storefront for a business that they hadn't known their aunts even owned, forever young fortune-telling. They were surprised to learn that Ruthie and May had chosen this hobby after the girls were grown and no longer spending the summers with them on the farm. Absolutely. But what surprised Charlie even more was that she caved and had gone along with Sin's idea this summer to pick up where their aunts had left off. Clueless at the start, they eventually devised a high-tech system where Sin hid in one part of the Winnie, scouring the internet for clues onto what to tell their customers while Charlie read palms or tarot cards. When a believable fortune had been compiled, Sin alerted Charlie to bring out the crystal ball and then relayed the fortune to her via a tiny earbud. Usually, they kept their shtick fun and upbeat. Yesterday, however, had been their first attempt at a moral intervention. Oh, come on, Charlie, Sin said. Everyone knows Destiny is sleeping with half of the B.F. Goodrich plant. I just thought maybe hearing a fortune that included the threat of Bradley cheating on her, too, might be a nice wake-up call. Bradley Buchanan, or Bradley, as Destiny liked to say in a slight baby dollish whine in her voice, was one of the town's most well-to-do men their age. He was also, in Charlie's not-so-humble opinion, one of their best-looking peers. I don't get it, said Charlie. I mean, how could he not know? Sin shrugged. Maybe he knows and he just doesn't care. Charlie struggled to imagine anyone being okay with that. Her ex-husband had cheated, and it was definitely not something she'd been able to overlook. In fact, just thinking about it had her hands curling into fists. Well, hopefully hearing that turnabout is fair play will get Destiny to straighten her act. They just reached the Winnie when the sound of tires crunching on gravel drew Charlie's attention to the other end of their aunt's long, winding drive. One look at the town's only BMW tearing up the lane and Charlie's worries about their little intervention multiplied. Crap, said Sin, recognizing Bradley's car as well. Should we go inside and hide? Charlie shook her head. He's probably already seen us. Besides, we don't know why he's here. Seriously? asked Sin with a snort. How often does Bradley leave his fancy lake house property to come visit us lesser folks in the boonies? Charlie grimaced. Good point. How about you go in the Winnie and I'll stay out here and play dumb. If things go sideways, stay hidden and call 911. Sin rolled her eyes. You've watched way too many Law & Order reruns. Unable to deny it, Charlie laughed as her sister scurried into the Winnebago. Her smile slipped, though, as she noticed Bradley weaving all over the drive, narrowly missing the fruit trees planted along its borders. Great. If he was mad and intoxicated, this could get ugly fast. Or maybe he was texting and driving. Either way, why wasn't he slowing down? Hey, she called, waving her arms. Hey! 
the car swerved to avoid a large pine, overcorrected, and now was aimed right for her. Good Lord, what was that idiot doing? Charlie ran off the driveway and into the yard, using the trees as a shield. The beamer finally began to slope, but not soon enough. It slammed into a pear tree planted at the edge of their parking area. The trunk snapped like a dried twig. Charlie watched in horror as the tree's full crown tumbled forward, landing with a crash on the roof of their Winnebago. Sin, Charlie cried. I'm okay, her sister called, the sound muffled. Run, Charlie, don't let him get you too. But Charlie was headed in the opposite direction. Rage and adrenaline launched her forward. Nobody hurt her little sister. She tore open the car door and found Bradley half buried by an airbrad. Bradley Buchanan, what in the world were you? Charlie stopped. Bradley wasn't moving. Body restrained by the seatbelt, his head hung forward, his neck limp. On closer inspection, she found that his face was a bluish purple. Crap. She turned back to the Winnebago and called, Sin, dial 911. Tell him to hurry. He's not breathing. Charlie shoved the airbag aside, unbuckled Bradley, and dragged him from the car. Unable to rouse him, she checked his airways for any obvious blockage. Seeing none, she started chest compressions. They're sending an ambulance, Sin yelled from the Winnie. You hear that? Charlie told Bradley. Help is on the way. Now stay with us, buddy, because you've got some serious explaining to do. Unfortunately for them all, help didn't make it in time. The Stiff Charlie sat with Sin on the steps of their Winnebago, watching as their paramedics called the time of death. She just couldn't believe Bradley had died right before her eyes. The emergency re response team re reassured her that she had done all she could, but even CPR wasn't going to help a person in this status of asthmatic asthma. <laughs> Bradley, it seemed, was an asthmatic, that I can say. In all the summers she'd hung around Hamilton Shores, she had never seen him use an inhaler. Was it something he'd always done discreetly, or had she just not been around enough to know that he had occasionally needed one? Deputy Matt Hinkle, or Maddie, as he was dubbed by her Aunt May years ago, jotted something down on his pocket-sized notepad and then ducked to inspect the interior of Bradley's back seat. Maddie was a few years older than Charlie, but they'd run in the same circle of friends during those summertime stays. That friendship had extended into adulthood. When he'd done his best to look the other way, each time Ruthie and May had been on the brink of being in trouble with the law. Since their aunt's passing, her interactions with Maddie had decreased, but with their unusual history had created a lasting bond. The same history had taught her how to read his body language. Today, it hidden something wasn't quite right with him. He withdrew from the car, handed something to one of the paramedics, then headed toward the sisters, looking far too tired for three in the afternoon. You two okay, he asked. Charlie nodded. Sin, however, raised a hand to the back of her head on a wince. I hate to admit it, but I'm starting to get one heck of a headache. Must have bumped my head harder than I first thought. When that tree landed on the whinny, I lost my balance and fell back into a table. 
I'll get one of the EMTs to come and take a look at you, said Maddie. Stay put. Oh, Sin, I'm so sorry, Charlie said. Hey, not your fault. I heard you out there yelling at him to slow down. Probably good you didn't come inside too or we'd both be banged up. Maybe so. Charlie gave her sister a gentle hug and then lowered her voice as Maddie and one of the EMTs headed their way. Now be a good time. Now be good. Needy patient so that I can try to get some answers out of Maddie. Sin smirked. Needy is one act I can definitely pull off. Are you think there might be more to this than an asthma attack? I don't know, said Charlie, quietly as the others approached. But that frown on Maddie's face makes me think it's a possibility. She waited until the ENT was several minutes into her examination of sin before pulling Maddie aside. You look like something's not adding up. His gaze shifted from hers to the beamer. Because it isn't, he said. I've known Bradley Buchanan since elementary school. Sure, he could be a bit of a prick sometimes, but overall he was a decent guy, which is why I'm struggling with how he was found. You mean why he drove out here and tried to run us over? asked Charlie. Oh, I have my suspicion on why he was here, said Maddie with a shake of his head. The whole restaurant heard his and Destiny spat when she stormed in after her little fortune-telling session yesterday. She said she'd kill him if he ever cheated on her. I don't know what you two told her, but please, don't get started telling everyone in the town and getting them all riled up. Charlie grimaced. I swear that wasn't our intention. We were just trying to guilt her into not cheating on poor Bradley anymore and warn that what comes around could go around. Sounds like she took it as the truth. Maddie rubbed one of his scuffy cheeks. Yeah, maybe keep the fortunes a little more vague and upbeat going forward. Anyway, Bradley wasn't the violent type. He may have come to confront you two, but I doubt he had any intent of hurting anyone. Maddie paused while he scanned the wreckage. What bothers me most is him driving without an inhaler or two in his car. We talked a while back about asthma after a nephew of mine was diagnosed. He said the key was to stay calm and keep a rescue inhaler handy, too, if you could afford it. Well, Bradley certainly could afford it, said Charlie. Word on the street was that business had been good for Buchanan Realty. After all, the guy owned one of the nicest places on Hamilton Lake. Correction, had owned one of the nicest places along Hamilton Lake. Charlie hugged her midsection, hating that she hadn't been able to save him. Do you think that's why he crashed? Because he couldn't get to any of his inhalers? That's exactly what I'm thinking, said Maddie. I've looked through the car twice now and can't find any, but he never went anywhere without at least one. What could have happened to them? wondered Charlie aloud. Maddie's gaze met hers. That's what I intend to find out. The Strategy It wasn't your fault, Charlie, said Sin, reading her mind as they headed back inside after the others had gone. You did everything you could. Charlie sighed. All those years of first aid, CPR, and it hadn't done Bradley a bit of good. I know, she said. I just wish the outcome had been different. 
Would it bring you some peace of mind if we helped solve the mystery? Sin asked. Charlie frowned. Oh no, you have a concussion, little sis. You're not going anywhere for a few days. Doctor's orders. That doesn't mean I can't help you think this through, Sin said with the week. After all, I know just as many people in town as you do. True, Charlie said. Okay, let's pretend Bradley not having an inhaler was the result of some devious act. Who would be your prime suspects? I mean, I thought he was a pretty well-liked guy. Sin eased into Ruthie's favorite recliner and pulled a quilted tie-dye blanket over her legs. I mean, for the most part, yes, but not everyone was Team Bradley, like his neighbor at the lake. Mrs. Gibson, the lady with the two Westy Poos, Charlie asked. She's like the sweetest person ever. Sin laughed. No, his other neighbor, Mr. Flanagan. I've heard they're always bickering over their shared property line. When I went to get coffee yesterday, some of the lake people were in line ahead of me, talking about a shouting match those two got into last week over a longer dock Bradley wanted to put in. I guess that's a moot point now, said Charlie, grimacing. Okay, so one irritated neighbor and one really mad girlfriend, from what Maddie told me, I guess she stormed into the restaurant Bradley was at yesterday after she visited the Winnebago and threatened to kill him if he ever cheated on her. Sin's eyes widened. No kidding? Wow, I guess we have more power than we realized. At her sister's dark look, Sin leaned back on a chuckle. It was supposed to be a joke, Charlie. Yeah, well, don't say that around anyone else or we'll start getting blamed for all sorts of freak accidents, said Charlie. So who else can you think of that wasn't a fan of Bradley? Well, does it have to be someone who didn't like him, Sin asked. I mean, heck, I don't know. Maybe someone else in town is asthmatic and was in a pinch. Charlie threw her a skeptical look. I mean, maybe, but that seems like a heck of a stretch. Plus, he probably kept his car locked most of the time, which means whoever sabotaged it would have needed his keys. Who might have had access to those? He only had one sister, right? Were they on good terms? Oh, yes, yeah, Sin said. They were super close. She and her husband spent a lot of time at Bradley's on the weekends. The only problem was their dog. Bradley was allergic, and you know how dogs are with people who don't want them close. I'm sure it crawled all over him, said Charlie on a laugh. Hmm, not sure I met his sister or her husband. Do they live nearby? Sin nodded. I think they live in town somewhere. Close by, just not on the water. Pretty sure their parents died young and Bradley more or less raised Suzanne during her teen years. Maybe you should talk to Suzanne and see if there was anyone at work Bradley's been butting heads with. The real estate world can be pretty cutthroat true. Charlie rose to grab a notepad from the kitchen counter to jot down their list of suspects. Her sister had always been the more outgoing one. Today, her social butterfly-ness was coming in handy. Can you think of anyone else? Hmm. Not off the top of my head, said Sin, her gaze shifting to the window. Did you notice anything unusual about the car itself? Besides the way it was parked on our pear tree? Charlie paused to think. Honestly, it was tough to see with the airbag deployed. I remember his car smelled like a giant pumpkin pie, which was kind of odd, and a to-go cup from Java Jolly's tumbled out along with him. His shirt and jeans were stained, so I'm guessing his drink went flying when he crashed. 
Sin sat up straighter. Oh, maybe something in the latte triggered his asthma attack. You should ask his sister about food allergies, too. Charlie made a note and then looked up. Shouldn't I leave the investigation to Maddie? On a shrug, Sin suggested, well, maybe you could tag along. Like he's going to let me get involved, Charlie said. Grinning, Sin sank deeper into her comfy chair. I bet he would if you asked nicely. After all, he's always had a thing for you. Has not, Charlie said, ignoring the unexpected butterflies in her stomach. Besides, the ink was barely dry on her divorce papers. Dating was the last thing she wanted to do right now. What she did want, however, was to figure out what really happened to Bradley Buchanan. She was also curious about what Maddie had found in the back seat and had handed to the paramedics. Had he found a potential clue? Charlie left work early on Monday and headed to Maddie's office, eager to share the theories she and Sin had come up with. He took notes as she rambled, nodding in some places and frowning in others. When she finished, he put down his pen and folded his hands in front of him. It's clear you and Sin put some thought into this. Thanks for sharing. On cases like these, every little bit helps. Good, she said. Then I want to be there for the interrogations. Maddie chuckled. Okay, first, I'm not interrogating anyone tonight. I'm just doing some information gathering. And second, I don't normally work with civilians, Charlie. But Maddie, I can help you sniff out the BS. You know Ruthie was the best at that and she taught us well. Besides, I feel somewhat responsible with Bradley dying on our property and all. She gave him her most sincere puppy dog eyes. After a brief stare down, he let out a long sigh. If my, wife's, if my partner's wife wasn't set to have her baby any minute, I'd send you home without a second thought. But seeing as I'm in a pinch, he shook his head at her widening grin. Fine, you can come along. We'll lie and say you're doing research for a book that you're writing on small town police units. But to pull this off, you're going to have to let me do the talking while you do the listening. Understood? Charlie nodded like a bobblehead. Okay, Maddie said. But if tensions get too high at any of the places we stop tonight, I'm pulling us out of there. Got it? Got it. He gave her a nod, then tipped his head to the door. All right, time to pay Carl Flanagan a visit and see just how agnostic these antagonistic these neighbors really were. The Suspects The drive from downtown to the lake was only a few miles, and soon Maddie was pulling to a stop before what might have been the most impeccable yard Charlie had ever seen. Its lawn was lush and green, its edges perfectly trimmed, and not a sliver of landscaping mulch appeared to be out of place. A pristine white split rail fence separated his yard from those on either side of it. He's either single or gets bored very easily, Charlie murmured. Maddie nodded. That sums up Carl nicely. Now remember, I do the talking. And I do the listening, finished Charlie. I got it. She followed him to the side street door, which was painted black. A nice contrast to the pale gray siding, but not the most welcoming door she'd ever seen. As Maddie rang the bell, 
Charlie's gaze drifted to the Buchanan property next door. She always thought Bradley's place looked amazing from her view on the water. But standing here, now, she realized it paled in comparison to Carl's yard. A lock snicked on the other side of the door. Charlie turned back to find Carl pulling the door open. His retirement style appeared to favor function over fashion. Between his buzz cut and today's ensemble of baggy gray sweatpants and banana yellow shirt, he looked genuinely surprised to see them. Afternoon, Deputy Hinkle, Charlene. Something I can help you with? Maddie fudged about the reason for Charlie's presence, said he was investigating an incident that happened over the weekend, and then asked about the relationship Carl had with Bradley. Charlie found it odd that he left out the part about Bradley being dead and all, but kept quiet as instructed. Buchanan? He's a lazy schmuck, Carl said. Let's that overweight black cat of his out in the evenings and every time it makes a beeline straight for my hydrangeas to take a dump. Then it digs in my mulch, makes an absolute mess, and eventually wanders back home. If you ask me, Buchanan's too busy hosting dinner parties than to want to mess with the litter box. Well, too bad, buddy. That's what pet owners do. I warned him last week that if I caught his cat doing it again, I was going to get myself a guard dog. I wouldn't really, though. Not an animal fan. Did you ever threaten bodily harm to either him or his cat? Asked Maddie. Well, Carl looked insulted. Is that why you're here? Because Mr. Socialite didn't appreciate my warning? No, Maddie said in an even tone. We're here because Mr. Buchanan is dead. He died yesterday and we're trying to understand how that came to be. Oh, Carl paled. Oh, man, I had no idea. Was there an accident or something? Maddie exchanged a subtle look with Charlie. Was it to remind her to stay mom on it all? Or because Carl had just accurately guessed what happened? A car accident, yes. Tell me, did you know any of the ailments that might have affected his driving? You mean aside from the bourbon, Carl said and then grimaced. Sorry, I shouldn't speak ill of the dead. Still trying to process that he's gone. I mean, sure, his cat was a pain in my ass, and his dinner parties got a little loud from time to time. But overall, he, he wasn't a bad neighbor. He thought for a moment, rubbing his chin. The only ailment I can think of was his asthma. Those attacks would come out of nowhere, especially when his sister would bring that little yuppie dog of theirs with her on visits. Or when he was out mowing. That's when I usually saw his condition flare up. Good thing he always had his inhaler on him. Yes, Maddie said, I, I remember him struggling with those attacks on several occasions. Have you seen anything out of the ordinary at Mr. Buchanan's place this week? Can't think of anything, Carl said. If it was summertime, I would have noticed him not taking his pontoon out for a Sunday ride. This time of year, though, boats are all out of the water and people start holing up for winter. His girlfriend came by today, like always. I didn't think much of it. Oh, said Maddie, and how long was she here for? An hour at most, said Carl with a shrug, just before lunch. They talked for a few more minutes, then Maddie thanked Carl for his time and headed back to the cruiser with Charlie. I don't think he's the one who sabotaged Bradley's car, said Charlie, snapping her seatbelt back in place. I'm inclined to agree with you, said Maddie. Even so, I'm going to ask for his security camera footage, just to be safe. 
Charlie followed Maddie's gaze to the small black camera mounted just above the garage door's far corner and aimed directly toward Bradley's garage. Wow, good call. I hadn't even noticed it. Not my first rodeo, said Maddie with a wink. Right, she said, reminded that it was her first. Hey, I forgot to ask. What did you find in Bradley's back seat yesterday? I saw you hand something to one of the paramedics. Maddie shifted the cruiser into reverse. Several strands of blonde hair, all about three or four inches long. There weren't any on the leather seats, but there were quite a few on the back floor mats. Huh, said Charlie. I mean, I'd assume they were from Destiny if they were longer. Maybe she'd gotten her hair cut recently? Maddie thought on that for a moment before pulling out onto the road. Maybe so, he said. We'll get a closer look at her soon enough, since we're headed there next. She called off work today, which is understandable. Curious as to what she was doing at Bradley's place midday, though. Charlie agreed. She had been up here mourning the loss of her man, or planning which rooms to redecorate if and when it became hers. Which reminded Charlie, do we know if Bradley had a will or anything? Maddie nodded. I've already been in contact with Frank Hoopenlauter. Apparently, Bradley also had a hefty life insurance policy. I'm hoping to know more about those sometime tomorrow. It came as no surprise to hear Frank's name. The man had likely done the financials for every resident of Hamilton Shores, her aunts included. Like Maddie, Charlie was curious to know exactly what were in those documents. She also wondered who else knew what was in them, especially as the cruiser rolled to a stop before Destiny's house. The tiny property before them was a stark comparison to the one they just left. Its lawn was browning and sparse from lack of water, yet a few inches taller than those on the adjacent lots. Three tiny shrubs had been planted along the front of the ranch-style home, their spacing uneven and leaves mostly brown. The only cheery spot visible from the road was a large flower pot perched beside the front door with late-season peonies and ger ger <laughs> geraniums <laughs> cascading over the edges. But even that arrangement was interspersed with brown and spent foliage. Clearly, Destiny wasn't of the green thumb variety. From what Charlie knew, Destiny had moved into this place just prior to the start of her relationship with Bradley. The rumor around town was that they'd been discussing the idea of moving in together. But she came from a family with a traditional mindset that didn't approve of their daughter moving in before making things more official probably wouldn't approve of the cheating either, but that was neither here nor there. Charlie followed Maddie up Destiny's narrow front walk, noting the collection of cars in her driveway. Destiny, she knew, drove a late model Dodge Charger, compliments of her now deceased boyfriend. An aging Chrysler minivan and two-door Ford Focus were parked behind it. Maddie tipped his head toward the caravan and mouthed, and mouthed parents. Charlie stopped a short distance from the front door while Maddie stepped forward to give it several solid knocks, then several more. When it finally drew inward, Destiny came into view wearing a hot pink velour tracksuit. Her long blonde hair pulled into a perfect ponytail. If it hadn't been for her red-rimmed eyes, no one might have guessed that she was grieving. 
Wisely, Destiny had remained makeup-free today. It was the first time Charlie had seen her en naturel, and she did her best not to do a literal double-take. Maybelline was definitely a make-or-break item for Mrs. Myers, who, as her gaze scanned the newcomers, narrowed her eyes and lifted an accusatory finger in Charlie's direction. You! How dare you come here tonight? You're the reason he's gone! Her lips quivered and footsteps sounded behind her. As the waterworks began, Destiny's mother appeared and pulled her daughter into her arms. Another significant contributor to Maybelline, she glared at Maddie and Charlie through heavily lacquered lashes. Unlike her daughter, Mama Mascara had shoulder-length ebony hair sprinkled with a healthy dose of gray. Why you gotta go upsetting my daughter like that, she said in a deep gravelly voice. Can't you see she's already told, tore up over losing Bradley? That's why we're here, ma'am, Maddie said. The department has opened an investigation into his death. We were hoping to speak with Miss Myers on the matter. Destiny's eyes watered as they narrowed anew. What can I possibly tell you? I wasn't even there when he, he, he died. Cue round two of the waterfalls. Eventually, Mama got the daughter to calm down enough to allow Maddie and Charlie inside. The living room was cramped, even more so with two of the available seats taken up by a pair of three-foot-tall stuffed pink unicorns, the gaudy kind people want at carnivals. Even more interesting to Charlie was the sense that these animals were in their usual places. Papa Myers, who thankfully had zero makeup on, sat at the nearby kitchen table scratching off lottery tickets with a cigarette dangling from between his walrus-like mustache. Why is she here anyway, asked Destiny, tipping her chin in Charlie's direction. Charlie's doing research for a book, Maddie said matter-of-factly, and will be accompanying me as time allows. And just so you know, after Bradley crashed his car, Charlie pulled your boyfriend from the wreckage and performed CPR on him until the ambulance arrived. Destiny's gaze became wary. Chest compressions only, said Charlie, raising her hands in surrender. Oh, fresh tears welled in Destiny's eyes. This batch seems sincere. Thank you for trying, Charlie. Charlie nodded, unable to speak around the lump that formed in her throat. Destiny may not have been the world's best girlfriend, but she clearly cared for Bradley. Also, added Destiny, her voice softer now, you're not so good at telling fortunes. Maybe it's not your true calling. And just like that, Charlie's sympathy for the woman waned. She forced a smile, wishing she had actually given Bradley mouth to mouth just to be able to point out that she was the last woman to kiss him. A petty thought, but it had her smiling on the inside. Maddie sensed the uptick in tension in the air and cleared his voice beside her. Um, Miss Myers, when was the last time you saw Mr. Buchanan? Saturday evening, she said. He came here to try and apologize after we had words at the dockside grill. Did he come inside, Maddie asked. Destiny crossed her arms. No, I, I wouldn't let him. Maddie looked to the front window and raised one eyebrow. Wasn't Mr. Buchanan allergic to grass? Your neighbor's yard looks recently mowed. That seems rather harsh of you to make him stand outside with the air freshly stirred. Had the yard been recently mowed? Charlie had to give it to Maddie. He sure noticed a lot of more things than she did. Destiny, however, looked far less impressed. Bradley took pills because he was allergic to everything. 
grass, spinach, dogs, my favorite perfume. I had to switch deodorants one time because that sent him into a coughing fit. Funny, Charlie thought. Destiny looked far less weepy all of a sudden. Maddie must have noticed the same thing. So if you wouldn't let him in, he asked, did you two continue the conversation in his car? Destiny crossed her arms. No, we did all of our talking at the door. I wasn't going anywhere with him unless he told me what I needed to hear. I see, Maddie said. And did you part on good terms? Destiny's lower lip began to quiver once more. It seemed the answer was no. Ah, said Maddie. I'm sorry to hear that. Miss Myers, can you tell us the reason for your visit to his house earlier? Color flooded her cheeks, her gaze shifting sharply to her mama. I was feeding his cat. And where is the cat now, Maddie asked. At my house, said her mama, the same stubborn set in her jaw now too. Somebody's going to need to take care of the critter, and my destiny gets too upset when she sees Shadow lying in the windowsill. Our old cat died this spring, and she knew I'd been wanting another. Maddie asked a few more questions before thanking them for their time and rising to go. He and Charlie had just reached the door when Maddie paused to turn back. One more question, Miss Myers. Since I was at Dockside Grill on Saturday, I have to ask you, did you mean what you said to Bradley about killing him if he ever cheated on you? Rather than shrink away from the question, Destiny straightened beside her mother. Of course not, but you better damn well believe I wanted him to think I would. No man of mine's gonna be a cheater. It was all Charlie could do to hold her tongue. Talk about double standards. But Bradley was gone and there'd be no more cheating either way. She and Maddie made their exit and remained silent until safely inside the cruiser once more. Wow, she said. He started the engine. Wow, indeed. That woman has issues. No doubt, Charlie said. I didn't buy half of her answers. That makes two of us, said Maddie. Even so, I don't think she tampered with the inhalers. No? We're kind of running out of suspects here, Maddie and still no one with short blonde hair. On a nod, he pulled away from the curb. Then let's hope we learn something of significance at our next stop, Bradley's sister's house, Suzanne's. The sister. After noting that Suzanne's husband car wasn't in the drive, Maddie decided to park a street over, lest they spook Scott away. Even so, Suzanne didn't seem a least bit surprised by their visit. She invited them in without hesitation, her grieving much more subtle and less theatrical than that of her brother's girlfriend. Scott had apparently taken the dog with him into town to pick up a late takeout order, which allowed the trio to have a calm, candid conversation. I just can't believe he's gone, Suzanne said, tissue in hand as she sat with her feet curled beneath her on the recliner near a fireplace. Unlike Bradley's sprawling property, his sister's lot just north of downtown was much more modest in size. The home appeared newer, its floor plan open and spacious. The photos of Suzanne and Scott on their mantle showed that they were likely in their early 30s and both brunette. A basket of toys in the corner of their living room appeared to be that of a canine variety. We're very sorry for your loss, said Maddie. 
the delivery showing that, unfortunately, he had this type of conversation before. When was the last time you saw your brother? Yesterday, late morning. He came here brokenhearted over a fight he'd had with Destiny. Apparently, she'd been warned by a fortune teller that he was going to cheat on her. She offered Charlie an apologetic smile and shook her head. Bradley would never have, of course. He tried telling her that, but she wouldn't listen. Destiny threatened to break up with him if he didn't drop to one knee and propose right then and there. Maddie and Charlie exchanged a look. Guess they now knew what she, quote, needed him to say. Did he? Maddie asked. Suzanne offered them a sad smile. No, Bradley didn't have the ring on him and he wanted to do it right. He'd been practicing his proposal speech for weeks. She paused to compose herself, and Charlie's heart went out for the grieving sister. She couldn't imagine how hard all this was for her, especially with their parents gone. In the background, Charlie heard what sounded like a garage door opening. So she sent him away, Suzanne continued. He was devastated. Bradley stopped by here the next day looking for advice on how to win her back. He tossed his keys on the end table and dropped onto our couch, so upset he didn't even bother telling Snowball to get down. He was terribly allergic to our dog. And I could smell the bourbon on him from across the room, so I sent Scott to run and get Bradley his favorite latte, just, you know, to sober him up. Then I led my brother to our deck to get him out in the fresh air. The poor thing just kept saying he didn't know what to do next. He bought her an engagement ring, had put a down payment on a timeshare in Cabo, and was getting ready to send in changes to his will and life insurance policy. And Scott returned in the middle of that conversation and told Bradley to man up and get over her. But I knew how much he loved Destiny. I encouraged him to give her time, that calmer thoughts would prevail. That's when Scott suggested he go over and talk to the fortune teller and see if they would give Destiny a second session, one that didn't involve premonitions of him cheating. Charlie looked down to hide a grimace. That certainly explained his trip to the farm. Suzanne's garage door sounded again, briefly louder, an interior door opened and then closed. Tiny nails pitter-pattered across ceramic tiles seconds before a white blur launched itself across the room and into Charlie's lap. Snowball, get down, barked a deep voice from the next room. The little white esky ignored him, yipping and showering Charlie's face with kisses. She didn't mind dogs, but she wasn't a fan of all the slobber or the loose fur now swirling in the air around them. Charlie tried subtly pushing the little monster away, but it was no use. Um, a little help here? Scott, please, said Suzanne, her voice weary. We have guests. His head poked around the corner and froze at the sight of Maddie and Charlie. Oh, uh, sorry, let me put her out back. He whistled softly and the dog vaulted off the couch and out of view. Scott returned a moment later and took a seat beside his wife. Is everything okay, Suzanne? Yes, darling, she said. Deputy Hinkle was just here to ask some questions about Bradley. Scott held his wife's hand. It's all so tragic, and the guy had his whole life ahead of him. He shook his head, and Suzanne crumpled into her husband's side. Very, said Maddie. Suzanne said he arrived here plenty distraught yesterday. You went and got him a coffee? A pumpkin spice latte from Java Jolly's, Scott said, his nose wrinkled. I can't stand them, but they were one of Bradley's favorites. 
I'm not a fan of them either, Maddie said with a grin. So did you walk to get the drink or take Bradley's car? Well, Snowball and I took my Jeep, actually, Scott said. There was plenty of room to get around Bradley's Beamer. Maddie nodded. I see. Well, we won't keep you from your dinner any longer. Thank you both for your time. They all rose and made their way to the front door. Please, Suzanne said, keep us posted on your investigation. We certainly will, said Maddie, his voice softer now. He led Charlie out onto the front porch and then paused. One more question, Mrs. McIntyre. You mentioned your brother had been preparing to change his will and his life insurance beneficiaries. Do you happen to know who's on the original documents? Suzanne, Scott warned. She looked from him to Maddie, tears in her eyes. Yes, it was me. Maddie led Charlie down the block at a relaxed pace, not a word shared between them. You know something, she murmured as they drew near his car. Maybe, he said. I'll let you know more tomorrow. There's a few things I need to follow up on. She tried again. Can you give me a hint? Nope, he offered her a smile. Why don't you meet me at Dockside Grill tomorrow and we can go over everything, say, 7 o'clock? Tomorrow? He was going to hold out on her for a whole other day? Fine, Charlie conceded, and good luck with the rest of your sleuth work. Well, we're at the deliberation. All right, so I got my theories. I want to see how many more geraniums there are, see how many times I can say that wrong. Do you have anything to say, Kira? All I can say is this is the coolest thing ever listening to you read and Jack play. Oh, I've got like chills. <laughs> I only got a couple of words wrong. See, she's sitting here seeing how many words that I, she wrote that I'm actually not reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Kira needs our help digging the Misfortune Sisters out of a tight spot, Jack. Are you ready for our list of suspects? Yeah, go ahead. I, I, already, I already got my ideas. I, I know. Do you want me to read the suspects first, or you want to just give me? Okay, read the suspects okay. first. I might have missed something. We have Destiny Myers, uh -huh. the girlfriend with the loose morals who swore she'd kill the man if he cheated on her. Yep, yep. Carl Flanagan, the neighbor who had it with Bradley's black cat deflowering his hydrangeas. That word I can say. Okay, I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> Suzanne Buchanan McIntyre the loving poorer sister who happened to be the sole beneficiary, uh -huh. Scott McIntyre, the brother-in-law who didn't seem to mind the breakup. All right. Okay. You want the clues? I, yeah, go ahead with the clues okay. and I'll tell you Okay, who here's the clues. All right. Bradley Buchanan died from an asthma attack, All even right. though I couldn't say. What was that other word? Asthmatic? <laughs> it's, the, it's the medical term and I can't pronounce Asthmatic? it. Asthmatic? But no. I can type it. <laughs> All that right. is so not fair. <laughs> he did not have an inhaler in his car. Uh -huh. Bradley was known to be allergic to grass, dogs, spinach, perfume, and some deodorants. It's everything. Yeah, everything. Destiny Myers, inspired by her fortune, demanded that Bradley propose marriage. Right. Bradley went to Destiny's house to make up, but Destiny wouldn't let him in, forcing him to stand outside next to a newly mowed lawn. Okay. The next day, upset over the situation with Destiny, Bradley went to his sister's house, Suzanne's, to talk to her. He told her about his plans to propose, the timeshare in Cabo, the change in his will. Brother-in-law Scott told him to get over it. His sister encouraged him to give it time. Mm -hmm. After leaving the sister's house, Bradley drove to the Misfortune Sisters, 
where he died in their driveway. Right. Destiny went to Bradley's house the next day, uh-huh. reportedly to get the cat. In the interview, Destiny's tears didn't ring as real. So now it's time for you to look into your crystal ball and tell us who you see. Okay, I think it's Scott. Okay. You think it's Scott? I think it's Scott. Why do you think Scott? Well, okay, Destiny, she's a bitch. All right, we can we can all admit that. <laughs> She's she cheated on the guy, demanded him to marry her. Yep. That that's weird. Um the other thing I noticed throughout the story that I thought was kind of funny is that if the main character hadn't told the bullshit fortune, he'd be alive. So yeah. I thought it was kind of funny that she kinda killed him. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, she killed him. The main character killed the guy. All Charlie, right? Charlie and Sin yeah. killed him. <laughs> they killed him. That is my favorite part. And no one cares. You know, the guy's just like, yep, we, they know that Maddie knows that yep. she told him some bull crap. He knows. And he's just like, yeah, you can come along, by the way, if you want to. You can go talk to the, the grieving almost widow. I was just like, all right. <laughs> anyway, I think it's Scott. Um, because, you know, it. Yeah, it kind of threw me off, or it was supposed to throw you off with the whole, oh, it was, what's the sister's name? I want to say Diana. Susanna. Susanna. Diana's the other story. Yeah. Doing too many today, man. <laughs> um, Susanna, um, with like it being her in the will, but that means he's also in the will because they're married. So it's technically the same person, well, not per se person, but the couple. Right. And so he was like, get over. And then he left and had access to the car. So he could have taken it out. He knew that the guy was covered in snowball. Which is, I think, is exactly where he got all the allergic stuff that killed him. Okay. Um, I think it was, I don't know, I think he had to be, like, pretty, he had to kind of have some forethought yeah. to see, like, okay, he's about to go driving, and he's just about to have this huge asthma attack, huge allergy thing, because yeah. he saw the dog jump up on him, and uh, so I'm just going to steal his inhalers and take his, I think it's risky at the same time, because it could have... He could have lived, you know. Could have. I mean, probably not a good chance, especially if he's in the middle of driving. He could have easily crashed, which he did. Yeah. And I don't know how far he made it before he died, like how far away he drove before, like he crashed. Yeah, I don't know. Everything. It's not really specific. Just I don't know how he made it that far. <laughs> was I he don't just? Know. I don't know. Um, but he he's dead. Uh, so I think it was Scott. Okay. I don't know why specifically, other than he wants the stuff from the will. I don't think he had anything out for him. Okay. But yeah, he wanted he wanted the, the suit. He wanted crap. What's his name? He wanted the main the guy who died. Bradley. Bradley. Yeah. I don't know why I forgot that. He wanted Bradley to uh, break up with the girl so that he could keep all the stuff for himself. Yeah. Evil Scott. He wanted to keep his toys. Yeah, I don't think Susanna cared about okay. it. <laughs> I don't think I think Susanna. You know, had the same opportunities, but showed just slightly more emotion. Yeah, I think she loved her brother. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. All right, puzzle listeners. Time for you to look into your own crystal balls, see if you agree with Jack that it's Scott. Make sure you comment in wherever you're listening or come to our website to comment. Let us know what you think. And Jack will rev us up here, and we will get ready for The Sting. Charlie walked into the Dockside Grill at 6.55 Tuesday night, body humming with anticipation. 
She replayed in her mind all the interviews they had Monday night, but still had no idea who was ultimately responsible for Bradley's untimely demise. What had Maddie figured out? Upon asking for a table, the hostess led her to the one that Maddie had called ahead and reserved on the perimeter of the bar area. Unfortunately, tonight that table was close to where several poker tables were set up for the bar's weekly poker night. Even with her back to the card players, she'd never be able to hear Maddie over all the noise. Just as Charlie considered flagging down their waitress and asking for a different table, her phone rang. Are you there? asked Maddie. Yes. Are you on your way? She pressed a finger to her non-phone ear. I'm going to ask that they move us. It's too... No, Maddie interrupted. I need you sitting right there because tonight you're going to help me catch our villain. I am? She squeaked. Yes, but don't worry, he said. I'm here with backup and we'll keep you safe. I just need you to talk loud enough into your phone that the people around you can hear what you're saying. Oh, okay, Charlie said, cringing at how loud that came out. Perfect, he said. Also, try to paraphrase my side of the conversation so whoever is sitting nearby can piece it all together. Can you do that? We're going to try to get someone's attention, she asked softly. Bingo, he said, then quickly added, but don't look around. You need to look like you don't know who's there. But I don't know who's here. Even better, he said with satisfaction. So do you want to know what I found out? Yes, she said back to her semi-obnoxious volume. Did you figure out who sabotaged Bradley Buchanan's car? Not bad, Charlie. You catch on quick. And yes, I did. Really? Charlie had suspected as much, but it was still a surprise. So who was it? Maddie paused dramatically. Suzanne. What? Charlie cried, no longer having to pretend to raise her voice. You're telling me that Suzanne McIntyre killed her own brother? But how? And, and why? Talking stopped at the nearby table, and a shiver ran down Charlie's spine. Do you remember me saying that I was going to ask for Carl Flanagan's security feed? Well, it showed Bradley going to his car Saturday morning and putting something into his glove box. I can't say for certain what it was, but my guess is he was restocking his inhalers. Okay, said Charlie, so Bradley restocked his inhalers Saturday. What does that have to do with Suzanne? Nothing, Maddie said, but do you remember what color Bradley's cat was? Charlie swallowed hard, hating the feeling of eyes on her. Um, Bradley's cat was black, right? Exactly, said Maddie, the same color as the interior of his car. And that points to Suzanne How she asked. It doesn't, he answered. But remember what Destiny said about him being allergic to everything? Yeah, she said. Destiny said Bradley was allergic to grass and perfume and dogs. Wait, didn't you say you found a bunch of short blonde hairs in the back seat? I sure did, he said. Let me guess. They weren't Destiny's? Nope. Turns out they were of the canine variety. Match the ones I picked from Suzanne and Scott's couch last night. So she put pet hair in his car to trigger an attack and then took away his inhalers? Wow, I just can't believe she'd do that. But wait, when would she have had time to do that? Didn't she say she was consoling him on the deck? She didn't have time, Maddie said. Confused yet? Charlie rubbed her forehead. Very, he laughed, 
perfect. Now hang up and I'll be right in. What, she asked, but the line went dead. She set her phone down, praying he would hurry up and get in here before anything happened. Suzanne didn't kill her brother. Charlie jumped at the sudden appearance of Scott McIntyre. As he perched on the edge of the seat across from her, Charlie's gaze flashed to the door. No Maddie, no deputies. Where were they all? Well, of course you say that, she said, trying to buy herself some time. You're her husband. True, Scott said, but everyone knows Susie would never hurt a hair on her big brother's head, no matter how much of a douche he was. Charlie frowned. Everything Maddie had just told her pointed to Suzanne. No, wait. The evidence pointed to Suzanne's house. Charlie's eyes widened. It was you, she whispered. But how? Scott glanced back to his poker buddies and shrugged. It wasn't hard. Bradley blubbering like a little girl in my backyard while his keys were by the front door? So you stole his inhalers? Scott, what were you thinking? asked Charlie. He could have crashed into a school bus full of little kids. He shook his head. No, I knew he'd either go to Destiny's or head out to your place. Either way, he wasn't getting far. Not after Snowflake rolled in the back of his BMW. But why, she asked. I heard the three of you got along great. Scott snorted. Are you kidding me? I've been the third wheel from day one. I put up with it, though, knowing that eventually the asthma would catch up with them. With Suzanne as its beneficiary, all I had to do was be patient and wait. But then destiny comes along and threatens to ruin all of that. He leaned closer. Besides, I did that guy a favor, saving him from marrying her. Of course, if you try to tell anyone this, I'll deny it all. A shadow fell across their table as a barrel of a man Charlie didn't recognize stopped beside them. You won't have to, because we just recorded your confession. The man flashed a badge before lifting Suzanne's husband from the seat by the back of his neck. Scott McIntyre, you're under arrest for the murder of Bradley Buchanan. A uniformed deputy Charlie did recognize stepped out from the entryway to read Scott his rights. Maddie was close behind. As the others escorted Suzanne's husband from the restaurant, Maddie stayed with Charlie. You used me as bait, she accused. Well, when you put it that way, he slid into the booth's open bench on a wink. I would never put you in harm's way, Charlie. You know that, right? Beside, your aunts would come back and haunt me if I ever did. But my awesome new civilian partner helped provide me with the perfect opportunity to try this puppy out. He reached across the table and retrieved a little black box Charlie hadn't noticed tucked between the glass shakers holding Parmesan cheese and dried red peppers. As he turned it in his hands, she saw a tiny single camera lens on one side. Pride replaced irritation. Looks like our sheriff's department has gone high tech. Maybe, he said, we learned a few things from our new local psychic team. Grinning, he traded the recording device for a pair of menus. Now how about we get ourselves something to eat so we can celebrate our first case solved together? Fine, Charlie conceded, but you're buying. Payback for the dog slobber trauma. Maddie chuckled. Deal. Oh, hey, now that we know it was Scott, can I send him a bill for the Winnebago repairs? asked Charlie. I didn't want to have to drive that baby dented up. 
Absolutely, Maddie said. And thank you. You really were a big help on this case. If the fortune telling it doesn't work out, you let me know. I might be able to swing funding for some part-time help. Charlie grinned. The future suddenly seemed full of possibility. Who knows? Maybe I'd do a little dabbling in both. The end. I was right. I was right, and you threw me off, and you looked at me, and I, I was like... I looked over when when Maddie <laughs> said, it was Suzanne, and Jack leans over and goes, what? I was, was right. Awesome. And I just bided my time, because I knew the other look was coming. I, I was hope you right. all enjoyed that little curveball. That was fun. <laughs> no, that was a good one, because it was set up. I mean, the there was plenty of room for the neighbor to go psycho over the cat and the hydrangeas. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would have been an easy one to believe, too. You did a good job with him. Thank you. I actually have a neighbor whose cat uses my uh, river birches as his litter box, but not my hydrangeas, which you pronounce exceptionally, by the way. (laughs) I'm just glad you didn't put geraniums everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And I knew what the word was, and I still was like, (laughs) <laughs> Germany's <laughs> not Germany's that was the other story <laughs> even there it was supposed to be Garmony and I said Germany just, yeah. I just have Germany on the brain apparently and I mean yep. Destiny was a pretty credible one too I mean besides sleeping around uh, she was a pretty explosive unstable character really made you wonder why um, Bradley wanted to be with her in the first place yeah and I, honestly I think so many people have these relationships where you you stand back and kind of scratch your head like what is the draw there but you know when the love bug bites it gets over apparently it was it was very fun it was (laughs) i did just love that main character definitely killed it (laughs) definitely killed him like that is true you're not wrong when you're like well you know what it, if she had it really was that, Charlie. <laughs> none of it would have happened. That is true. You know, it all started with her lie. It 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 really did. I I think <laughs> it's like it, I can't. There is a term for that, and I'm not a lawyer, so I don't remember it. But it's like basically inciting the whole thing. And you know, she's innocently like, oh, he was coming to yell at me. Not, oops, I just got him killed. So <laughs> you know, she, her morals. She started out the beginning of the story struggling with you know morality so yeah no, good point I love jack that. thank you for pointing out that my main character is actually a murderer <coughs> <laughs> she'll be back don't worry oh good i hope she kills plenty more people <laughs> not on purpose though if any of Just them are on purpose it all ruins it's got to be like anyway i set the flower pot down and that's why tim fell off the ledge so he's <laughs> dead now you're giving me all sorts of ideas I it's gonna be that. great i'm so excited <laughs> So a little bit more about Miss Kira Jacobs. Kira is an extroverted introvert who writes of love, humor, and mystery in the Midwest and beyond. When this Hoosier native is impounding out scenes for her next book, she's likely outside elbow deep in snapdragons, or apparently hydrangeas, or what is it, birchwoods, <laughs> or spending quality time with her sports-loving family. Kira also loves to read, tries to golf, and is an avid college football fan. Find her at kirajacobs.wordpress.com. Well, that wraps up this episode of Mysteries to Die For. Please do support our show by subscribing, telling a mystery lover about us, and giving us a five-star review. Check out our website, tgwolf.com forward slash podcast, for a link to this season's authors and their stories. 
Mysteries to Die For is hosted by T.G. Wolf and Jack Wolf. You Win Some, You Lose Some was written by Kira Jacobs. Music and production are by Jack Wolf. And episode art is by T.G. Wolf. All right, Jack, take us out. <laughs> <laughs>